Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Pot Stilled Live. Pot Stilled Live is your fortnightly live stream that brings you all of the latest news and crack of the Irish whiskey industry. Each episode is filmed before a different live audiences, so interactions do vary from episode to episode. And each week I am joined by a different industry professional to give their thoughts on that week's news. Do be warned, recording qualities do vary from guest to guest. So grab a hashgon, sit back and relax and listen to this week's episode of Pot Stilled Live. Hello, hello, hello. How are we, sir? Good evening to everyone and welcome to another episode of Pot Stilled Live. I am delighted to be joined by Mr. Rob Polo. Good evening, hello. sir. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I see you have a nice little uh, collection of whiskeys and whiskey books behind you. You're all set up for tonight's show. Yeah, I, I hit a few things. I mean, I, I carefully selected a couple of things. So you know, from from uh, Fionn's book and a bit of other bits and pieces. Some of the stuff we're going to be talking about tonight. Tonight's sponsor and obviously some tealing. I've, I've got to have some tealing in there. I think. <laughs> well, for uh, everyone out there in uh, the, the Facebook Live world that does not know uh, who you are, sir, and why you have a lovely uh, Australian accent, do tell us uh, all about yourself and what you do in the Irish whiskey industry. <laughs> of course. Yeah, so uh, my name's Rob, uh, and I'm currently the global ambassador for the Teeling Whiskey Company, uh, a job I very much enjoy. Uh, but before that, uh, was a bartender for my whole adult life. From 18 up until the old age I am now, uh, grew up in Australia, then travelled and travelled and travelled and worked in a lot of bars, whiskey bars and cocktail bars primarily, and yeah, moved to Ireland in about 2011, and fell in love with an Irish girl and an Irish whiskey, and and now call Ireland home. Wow, look at you! It's a, it's a, you can make a movie out of that, Rob. Well, I'm delighted to have you uh, on the show this evening. Um, as always, of all of our industry guests, you're here first and foremost as a, as a, an industry professional rather than a brand representative. So uh, I would look forward to picking your brain on the thoughts about the industry. Uh, uniquely, I will be asking you about your brand uh, tonight. I've never done that with a guest before, uh, just because it's uh, <laughs> it's topical and in the news. So I thought no better person to actually tell us about it uh, than yourself. Exactly. But uh, just to give everyone a little lowdown um, on what's going on in the Postilled Live world, um, we are back. Uh, had a lovely episode for you this evening. Um, but there is a huge amount going on in the next few weeks. Um, next Thursday, uh, Postilled Live is back with a Cologne uh, takeover. They are. Uh, we are launching uh, their newest ten-year-old uh, bonded series, uh, experimental series whiskey. Uh, with a really cool new cast finish. Um, we did do a giveaway uh, for those of you who won the giveaways. Um, we have uh, a whiskey, a rum, and a new make putching, or not putching, pot still, sorry, uh, on the way to you. The week after that, um, we have, well, first of all, on the Thursday, I'm doing a takeover with uh, the guys from Irish Malts on three drams. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, the, then the Friday, uh, we're doing a special edition of Pot Still Live with a takeover from Dingle Whiskey, and they're launching their um, fourth edition Pot Still um, 
uh, the day before. So we'll be doing a deconstruction on that. And for people who have been on our Facebook page, uh, we were doing a pun competition with Dingle that closed just about one hour ago. Um, so it was best puns basically win, uh, picked by the guys from Dingle. So they'll be tuning in a little bit later on and, and perhaps I uh, have some winners for us either by the end of the night or tomorrow morning. Um, those are 30 kids going out, two cast uh, deconstruction samples and uh, a sample of their first ever uh, uh, cast strength uh, pot still, which I think is quite cool. And then we're back into the regular swing of pot still live uh, episodes. Then we have a few people tuning in. Uh, Chris Hennessy uh, giving us a bit of love um, uh, from uh, Kenny. He does say that uh, your, your cook is almost as bold as the tuning apron. So uh, at least he's liking it. <laughs> this is an important episode of Pot Still Live. We are back on the first day of the new lockdown season. So welcome back to the world of Zoom quizzes and uh, people with their own hair. Um, we do have people tuning in from all over the place. Gene, good evening to you. Um, but yeah, I suppose the first and foremost thing we need to talk about is uh, the sponsor of tonight's show. Um, I don't know if you can see below me, above, whoop, above Rob, uh, on the top over there. This is the Lambay uh, Irish whiskey, particularly the malt Irish whiskey for this evening, um, which is their, I, I think the name is actually brilliant. This is their blended malt Irish whiskey. Um, it's called the malt Irish whiskey because as per the Irish whiskey technical file, there is no category for blended malt and it just falls mm. under this weird malt classification. Um, so it's so, the malt. Sorry? So it's the malt. That, uh, listen, exactly. Um, good, good evening to a few more of you guys here uh, popping up on the screen. Um, so, uh, oh, and of course, Eric back with a lovely tealing uh, Facebook photo in the background. He pops in every week. Um, and then, uh, Laurie, coming in with Whiskey Chats Pod uh, and Matt Kelly over, over in the States. Um, so this is uh, the whiskey we are talking about this evening. Um, as I said, there is no category for blended malt whiskies in Ireland, so it is malt whiskies. I think I'll just show you that one more time. Just here on the bottom, it's the camera's reversed. It's always a little bit tricky. Malt Irish whiskey um, from the guys at Lamb Bay. Um, I don't know, Rob, have you got uh, some in your glass? I've had my glass uh, here aerating for the last little while. Yeah, I do. I do, and I, I've kind of been picking at it since you uh, or since we went live. It's uh, helped ease the nerves, so I, uh, I'm enjoying it already. Sorry, I'm a little ahead of you. That's all right. And um, I actually poured this earlier when we were speaking backstage and I've let it uh, kind of aerate away. And if anyone was watching the inaugural three drams tasting, I got a kind of a sneak peek of, of this there. Um, and one of the things I didn't do at the time, I kind of poured it straight into the glass and, and, and imbibed then. This has been sitting out for about 20 minutes and the honey element in this has come out massively. Like I had to, to pause and make sure I didn't randomly just have honey in my glass for some reason before I poured the whiskey in. I tell you what, uh, I was looking at the the sheet you sent over and the recommended serve straight up with an added pinch of salt. I was like, man, I got to try that. So I actually have the two glasses right here. This one I added like a saline solution to, which is you know just salts and water. And then I've got straight out of the bottle that's been sitting there since we were chatting earlier. Add the salt. It's this lovely kind of salted caramel, kind of what you're saying, but just to an nth degree. Really, really interesting. It's lint have these new salted caramel chocolates that it reminds me of it's like this lovely salted caramel kind of creaminess uh yeah i mean it's a it's the first time i've seen a signature or recommended serve like that and i'm, I'm down 
Yeah, it was funny actually. I uh, I saw the I saw the signature serve and it definitely piqued my interest. Um, but I I only have like like regular table salt, so I was, fe- I was feeling like that'd be a bit strange to just kind of pour in. I was thinking, you know, something a little bit fancier on the sea salt end might have been, uh, or 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 if we're cocktail extraordinaires, you could have a saline solution just lying around the house. Um, but yeah, um. I don't know. Do you know much about the guys in Lambay? Because obviously they're one of the new indie, or this was not new, but newer indie brands uh, tied obviously to Camus Cognac in in uh, in France, uh, Lambay Island. Which let me see if I can get this right. Anyway, it doesn't matter which way I'm pointing, but it's <laughs> this window here. Um, but uh, it, it's it's quite a cool setup they've got uh, with the guys over in Lambay. Um, yeah. But the actual whiskey itself is is quite unique in itself. But yeah, go ahead there, Rob. I was going to say, yeah, this one, uh, I don't know if you mentioned, but yeah, finished in cognac cast and you mentioned Camus. It means, you know, they're going to get some pretty high quality uh, cognac cast. But I think the first time I heard of Lambe, wasn't it them that put a cask of whiskey onto a boat? And there was a big discussion around if that's not technically the island of Ireland, then it's not technically Irish whiskey, even though that, you know, the international waters thing and all that exists and islands exist and things like that but i think that's where they first came to my attention well it's probably why the the technical files and whatnot I, that was always one thing i was wondering about as well um it was probably why the technical file and likes have been updated to the geographic area of ireland um because probably like a few of the lads at distilleries out on the islands on the west coast are like ah now um and then there was a question actually last week um which was is uh, is Lambe the only island matured whiskey? And I was I was very quick. I was like, well, technically, all Irish whiskey is island matured whiskey. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so the I, I I'm pretty sure they're probably exactly the reason that the technical file was updated just to encapsulate all of the island areas around. But I think it's a really cool setup. Um, the, the island itself, they've got an, like an Atlantic warehouse on the island. Uh, they've re- converted basically RNLI old housing shed units. Uh, I think it's actually kind of a warehousing from the, for the boats. They've knocked through all the walls and made into a, a kind of year-round uh, climate-stable warehouse, which I think is quite cool. Um, have you been? I have not been. I have. I've cheekily dangled the request a couple of times. I was like, oh, geez. Let's go see some some whiskey and then also see some wallabies and some puffins because they've got some pretty <laughs> wildlife out there. Um, uh, yes, yes, it's one of their. Um, I, I, I there's all manners of of urban legends as to how the wallabies ended up on Lambay Island, but uh, I remember listening to an interview between Sabine and Serge uh, from the Irish Whiskey Magazine. And I believe she said that the wallabies were actually given as a gift uh, how many number of years ago. And they're basically wild. Like there's wild deer on the island and, and uh, a load of different, like it's, a, it's essentially a nature reserve. Um, mm. It's quite cool. Um, but yes, but the actual whiskey itself, um, I don't know if you, you know much about it. Um, it's minimum three different uh, distillates, triple and double distilled single malts, which I think is quite cool. Obviously, being a blended malt, they're coming from different distilleries, which is why we don't call it a single malt. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's forty three percent, so it's their first time going up to forty three. Um, as Sabine said last day uh, on three drams, 
but they kind of basically listened to the market. People people were were calling for higher than forty was the kind of claim, and 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 this is their their first foray uh, into into that. Um, decent price too, uh, fifty quid recommended retail price. I'm pretty happy with that. I don't know what you're getting on the nose, but I'm I'm taken back by it. almost a like initially like a kind of a lemon sherbet on the nose, a little something tropical fruits in the background, but the the honey is all over the place for me on the palate. And I can see uh, Jean saying here she added a bit of salt. Uh, it's a unique serve, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's super I, different. It changes it completely. Like, yeah, a lot more tropical fruits, like you said, like passion fruit, uh, like guava kind of, but, the, but adding the salt, a lot more kind of briny, caramel, a lot more of those kind of richness that you expect. Yeah. Like it's non-chill filtered, so it, it kind of has a nice mouthfeel to it without the salt, but adding the salt, it's just it just layers. It's just everywhere. I like it. I would love to have been in that meeting where they're <laughs> like, you know what we're gonna put on the signature serve? So <laughs> bear with me. Salt. Uh, <laughs> I I can imagine a, an experience where you you've you know you've you've had a, a, a really busy day, you cook yourself a steak. The whiskey's there, ready to go. You grab the salts over the steak, and it goes in the whiskey. You're like, oh, well, I'm not pouring that out. I'm going to drink it and taste it and go, uh, we're on to something here, lads. Monday morning meeting, 9 a.m. I've got something. <laughs> See, actually, I, I had a similar conversation today, if I can be rude enough to pull out my phone uh, while we're on air, um, because uh, it was a very similar conversation of you should have heard the – the, the meeting where this was pitched. And I don't know if you saw this, not whiskey related, but gin related. And it's gonna be weird if it can if it can focus on my phone. Uh, the 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 drum shambo gunpowder like lucky ceramic oh. bottle. Uh, like that must have been first of all one of the coolest bottles I've ever seen anybody do. But can you imagine sitting in that meeting and PJ Rigney's like, I've got it. I've got yeah. just <laughs> You know, you know those cats you, you know, see an hang die in places? Let's get one of them and fill it with gin. Yeah. <laughs> and the cat holding a little pot still. I think that's where the that's the the, the spout. Um, I don't know if it is or not, but I just I saw that and I was like, God, that must have been A, the funniest. But as well, I'm sure someone was like, what if we did this? And they're like, genius. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember and, when Tullamore Jew came in crockpots? How can we take that to a new level? <laughs> exactly um but we are uh, going to be talking about a load of things on the show this evening all the while enjoying uh some beautiful uh lambo whiskey um this one as i said all of their whiskeys are finished in cognac of some form uh, this whiskey is an average of four to six weeks in cognac which i find amazing because they're very large casts of 600 liters but there's still a good impact of the of the cognac on this for such a short finish, which I find very interesting. Some of the casts are matured on in their cork warehouses and all bourbon, somewhere in on Lambay. Then they marry them and finish them in the cognac cast. So it's a quite an interesting uh, whiskey, and we will be talking about it as we go through the show this evening. Excuse me. Um, but uh, we have lots of things to be uh, talking about. You have. Are going to be enjoying yourself with the salt. I'm now very annoyed that I didn't grab salt. <laughs> um, and uh, we, and as Jamie Cotter is just here saying, 
how many NPDs did they drive to <laughs> salt and they went with it? I don't know. I'm actually amazed by the salt thing, though. Um, it worked, it worked. One of the cool things, though, as well, for anyone listening who hasn't tried or perhaps has tried Lambe, we have um, two of these uh, single malt gift packs um, with some really cool uh, uh, bespoke Lambe glasses in there as well. Uh, I will be giving these away on the on the social media channels for pot stills um, probably tomorrow evening. Um, so keep an eye out if you want to win yourself some whiskey. Um, so that is a competition with Cloan Dunn, competition with Dingle Dunn, and now we're doing a competition with Lambe. So it is all go for lockdown, I tell you what. Um, I'm going to give you some whiskey now, I think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, I suppose first things first, why don't we jump into a little bit of teething talk because you are here. Um, and as I said, it is quite unique um, for me to, I suppose, speak to my guests about uh, their own work, but we'll get it out of the way because everyone, I think, wants to hear about the the black pits. If you have the bottle, please do show it again. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, as as we go through all parts of the show here, guys, make sure to use the opportunities to ask uh, questions, in particular, right now. Um, but sir, uh, the first own still Dublin peated single malt come out of well Dublin, but also Teeling Whiskey Company. Um, I don't know if you saw in my kind of review of the, the product. I was actually in the distillery in 2015 for the Galway Bay uh, uh, kind of crossover uh, stout cask releases, the Tuner Fathoms. And that was still like the malt, uh, peated malt. Exactly, yeah, uh, which was quite cool. Uh, but, yeah, let, tell us all about the, the Black Pits. Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, Dublin's first triple distilled peated single malts. Uh, you know, really exciting. Uh, the second release or second major release from Newmarket from the Teeling Distillery. So, you know, really exciting. It's exciting for us to, you know, really start to integrate Dublin whiskies. You know, we've changed our logo ever so slightly and uh, changed our core kind of bottle design, put a little embossing of the Phoenix on. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting to start to release that and, uh, you know, invite people in and, and see how it's progressing. But yeah, it was, it was a big one for us uh, and exciting. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it's there's not that many, wasn't that many kind of peated malts. I, I'm guilty of it. When I first moved here, you know, there was a cocktail menu when when uh, I first moved here that I wrote, you know, there's no peated Irish uh, whiskies out there. And I regret it to this day, uh, especially now with so many of my friends kind of showing me their old menus going, you're a moron. <laughs> but it's, it's exciting. And taking kind of the lessons that we learned from the 21, the 24, the 28, and, and the kind of bit of the spotlight that they gave us, it's nice to, I mean, because they, you know, the 24, a great example of a phenomenal whiskey that not many people get to try. You know, this minimally peated kind of fruity explosion of apricot and smoke that is not that medicinal kind of peat smoke that we're thinking of from Isla, uh, much more kind of heather and, and, uh, and highland peat indicative of what would have been irish peat back in the day uh but yeah i mean it's the 24 you know obviously a bit on the expensive side and now completely sold out after winning the world's best single malt so it's nice to have kind of the little brother in in black pits kind of inspired by it so it's uh triple distilled peated malt uh it is 
fermented with a combination of distillers yeast and white wine yeast it's triple distilled so as you know you know peated malt it's peated at 55 parts per million when we get it in but every stage of the distillation process you're going to lose a little bit of those phenols so by the time it goes through triple distillation we're down to about 15 parts per million but we still have that vibrancy of esters from uh the yeast strain the white wine yeast so that kind of mixes together and, and really creates a unique peated Irish whiskey. You know, grilled pineapple, I think, was the, the first tasting note that Alex ever came up with when he tasted this. Kind of that idea of cast iron grill that's been used a couple of times. It's just burning hot and then whacking pineapple on for some reason. <laughs> but that right. was the first kind of taste note. But yeah, I mean, super exciting. One third matured in Sauterne that sweet style of wine that we know so well and works very well with Irish whiskey and two thirds in uh, ex-bourbon casks. So allowing that peat to kind of come into its own and, and evolve. So yeah, really exciting. And, you know, hopefully that not only can bring people to the Irish whiskey category, but, you know, explore the whiskey category as a, as a greater kind of category as well. Like a lot of people uh, that I'm tasting on it, you know, they, they're not big, peat fans but i taste this and go okay i'm not a big peat pan i'm not a big peat fan but I'm, I'm liking this which is you know obviously great to hear yeah i don't know if you saw on the screen there i brought up uh, brian holland uh, friend my friend frenchy saying uh he's got a glass of black pits in front of him and he's a big fan uh robert in sweden says uh he's a taster here for november 5th tasting should he be excited I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. yes, anyway. <laughs> I think all, all whiskey tasting should be excited about it. It just depends if you're excited afterwards or not. Um, <laughs> but tell us, Rob, uh, two things. Uh, RRP, and is it a part of the core range, or is it kind of seasonal, limited edition? What, what do we look, batch, batch going? Or... Yeah, so it's it's 60 euro at the moment, uh, available, you know, Celtic Whiskey Store and a few other places from the Teeling Distillery. Check out the online shop. And, you know, some really class off licenses as we kind of slowly grow it out. And, yeah, to answer your second question, kind of a bit of both in that, you know, you, as you know, you distill peated malt. That's, it takes a while and a few runs for that to kind of peter out, for lack of a better term. So we only distill so much peated malt every year. And we have been doing since you said in 2015. So we've put aside a certain amount, but, you know, it would it would be pointless to sell that all kind of immediately. So there's a certain amount every year as we slowly build up stock. So it'd be nice to see it um, sell out, obviously, but we don't want that. It's going to be a core cool release. It's going to be going to every international market. I think some of the bigger markets, it's going to take some time with, with COVID and things like that, like Germany and US will be looking later this year, maybe even early next year, you know, a little bit of, uh, trickiness uh, currently but yeah I mean a core release that will stick around for a long time and uh, yeah hopefully it's as popular as some of our other releases Jamie Cotter is wondering uh, what what kind of expectations you can have to for reaching uh, Northern Ireland oh wow I didn't even know that one I, I'd say it's it's soon I mean I'm, I'm certainly not going to suggest that you uh, order from the distillery store or Celtic but um <laughs> beauty is so much more i was actually talking to the uk today but we, it just didn't come up but i'm sure it's uh it's very soon you know it's 
Uh, a lot of markets are already asking for it. Yeah. Hennessy, you said it, not me. <laughs> uh, Dave Cummins, uh, he has, he, he, he's loving the new look for the, the, the bottle of the Black Pits. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of half screen print, half label. Just on a side note, I think it's really cool. I like your little medallions, the triple distilled and the and the double. Because actually, it's funny. Someone messaged me a while ago and was like, "Is it is have Teeling not triple distilled this? Like, why haven't they said it on the label?" And I had to like go and have like a like a virtual bottle like rotated to show it on the, the little medallion on the side. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's cool. I like the I like the uh, the half screen print, half label. I think it's cool. The especially the kind of the bronzed foil you guys have gone for as well, rather than the kind of normal copper foil. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels super premium. Like it's, it's it's a slight variation of our Douglas bottle, which I'm not going to grab uh, right now, but you can see, you know, the shape very well of the Teeling bottle. So it is a, a slight variation and adaption of our uh, Douglas bottle, but it is unique. And, you know, it, it's, uh, and I, I really like the logo and, and everything like, like the, if you ever remember signage from the Black Pits area, I mean, a lot of your viewers are going to know the Black Pits area just behind the Liberties, you know, this this famous area of Dublin known for tanneries and malting houses and blacksmiths and coopers and things like that. There was there was font in that area. You know, they, this is all inspired by the area. Jack's been, um, you know, very interested in, in the Black Pits area for a long period of time. So it's it's been in the – I think it's been, you know, in, in the – inner workings for a lot longer than we realize. Uh, Eve, I was wondering uh, how it's comparing to your Brabazon releases. Um, if you can speak, I suppose they're, they're, they're somewhat different beasts, but uh, if you want to, to speak to that. Yeah, of course. Hey, Eve. Um, I think you, as you know, you know, the Brabazon releases tend to be uh, skewing on the side of our more traditional flavors being port and sherry influences with a certain kind of tealing effect. So I guess for those Scotch fans looking for those, uh, especially, you know, your Scotch fan that like both Highland, Isla, Islands, Campbelltown, uh, they probably see those similar flavors in Scotch and kind of gravitate towards it. Probably less so than say, you know, the really interesting and weird and wonderful fortified wine casks and and even the more innovative collabs that we've done. So yeah, I, th I think, you know, uh, your traditional whiskey flavors fan can see and gravitate towards it. It has been as popular as Brabazon Three so far. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I think Brabazon Three is now sold out, which you know did phenomenal well. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens with Brabazon 4. Wait, I don't think I'm supposed to say that. <laughs> well, lest we get you in trouble, I think we do need to move on. Um, if you guys do have any questions, uh, we can uh, get back to them as we, as we go through. Um, so I suppose the next thing we wanted to talk about on the show uh, is, and I mean this both jovially and in all seriousness, Bushmills did something, and it's <laughs> like, I had. If anyone listens to Potstilled Radio, um, my uh, podcast series, I had Shane Fiery on from Bushmills, and he promised me that something was coming down the line, and promised me that it was going at what he called Bushmills speed, um, which he said was slower than most. And I'm delighted to see. Well, see, this thing is we have this fucking monolith of a distillery up the north. 
mm. who are one of the most historic, probably the biggest stocks in the country, apart from you know Middleton and Puzzle and Grain. But and and under Diageo, it just was kind of sad to see them. They tipped along, but you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way. I just mean that it's a deadly distillery, and now mm. we're seeing. Some of the really cool stuff they've got in the warehouses. Um, let me just throw uh, the ticker down at the bottom here. Two new releases for Ireland, uh, a 2008 um, Mus Muscatel, not Muscatel cast. We're going for different grapes here. Little, <laughs> little, little Muscat grapes going on. Um, and uh, a 1995 Malaga cast, both at cast strengths. Not the first cast strengths they've ever done, but <laughs> I think this this uh, this millennium, I think it is. Um, I remember the the last the single cask Bushmills releases. Some of those were cast strength, and I'm sure someone will be able to tell me of some other regular Bushmills release uh, that they that they brought in cast strength. But I'm delighted to see it. Jamie, Jamie Cotter echoing <laughs> Bushmills did something. I'm just going to say I love Bushmills. I'm just delighted to see that they're actively. Like the steamship collection yeah, for Dior was something, but it wasn't a mass market or you know out there something. So I'm I think it's great. I don't know what do you think of the the Causeway collection? Well, I mean I I, I didn't get to try it, <laughs> but I'm really excited to see the return of premium single malts from Bushmills. Um, you know I knew they were doing stuff like this. Like you mentioned, Seamus Lowry, uh, he lovingly gave me a bottle of their Acacia Wood distillery exclusive to take to Russia with me because I was doing a presentation on um, different wood styles in Irish whiskey. So I was presenting the chestnut single pot still from Middleton, the acacia from Bushmills and some uh, chinkapin from Teeling. So yeah, you knew that that stuff was there, but it didn't seem to be the focus. Uh, so it's really nice to see a bit of a return to form, you know, Bushmills 10. I remember when I first moved here, Bushmills 10 was kind of almost the Irish single malt. And uh, I, I, I do have a, a story. I won't name names or drop anyone in it, but I remember going to a certain Irish pub and I wanted to broaden my horizons of an Irish coffee. I was like, oh, I wonder if I can get like a really cool single malt. I've always, I'm always searching for the perfect single malt aged solely in virgin American oak. I know there are some examples out there, but I still haven't found my one. But uh, at that time, I really loved Bushmills 10. So I was like, I'm going to get a Bushmills 10 Irish coffee. So I go to the bar. Can I please get an Irish coffee with Bushmills 10? And he looked at me confused and went, okay. And then when I went sat down and he brought over an Irish coffee and a Bushmills 10 and looked at me like, you didn't think I was going to put Bushmills 10 in this Irish coffee, did you? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, fine. But uh, yeah, it was it was the the kind of version for a lot of single malt. Like um, when I was doing a lot of learning around Irish, because I I guess a lot of the information I had about whiskey was targeted Scotch. You know, I, I worked in a Scotch bar where I learned a lot about whiskey and was you know predominantly Scotch there. So when I came to Ireland, I needed to learn, you know, what the difference between Irish single malt and Scottish single malt was. And Bushmills Ten was always in every lesson. Yeah, uh, I, I, that, as you said, it was kind of sorry. The dog came over looking for pets, so I had to pick her up. My apologies. Um, this Fine. is Indy for everyone that doesn't know. She's my little collie. 
Um, but uh, yeah, they, I, I've, I've experienced a number of people who have done kind of the, the single malt Irish coffee idea. Um, I still, to this day, protest that a sherry casked malt Irish coffee is awful. I've done it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I've made it myself and other people have made it for me and it's it's just not my thing. And same thing with uh, sours. When you get into the kind of like heavy sherry, you get to kind of, uh, yeah. into kind of a weird space. Um, but uh, actually, we got a good question. Okay, we're leaving now. Bye-bye, Indy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't need any more attention. <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt Kelleher actually asked, uh, are the two new Bushmills technically non-age statements? That's actually a really good question. Mm. And then I Gonna, we're going to technical file you for a second because why not? <laughs> so it says on the um, this bottle here, 1995, and technically, if they were selling this, this would be against technical file. But they're not selling it, so it's technically not. Um, because theoretically, they are actually in a degree, unless I haven't seen full-size bottles fully, unless it actually states the age on it. And they have a, if they have a casking date, they have to have the bottling date. So mm. theoretically, it is an non-age statement whiskey just with a casking and bottling age on it. Um, they can also put the age in numerics or words or whatever beside mm. it if they want. Um, but theoretically, it can be a 1995 non-age statement whiskey bottled in 2020. Yeah. And still technically a non-age statement. But well, that's the be, thing. Yeah, the assumption is drawn that it's 2005 till when you open it, but you need to clarify, you know, yeah, when was it pulled out of cask? Was it pulled out in... You know, 1998, <laughs> and then just sat on it. So, uh, yeah, you, you're dead right. Yeah. Um, 11 years in Oloroso and Bourbon, 14 years in Malaga. Yeah, I know. That, like, <laughs> both both these sound great. And it's funny because, in a way, I was I was talking to people about this. So, like, the, the 08 um, was eight years in Oloroso and Bourbon, and then mm. four years in Muscatel, which is just, as a finish, that's, brilliant already excuse me um and then the malaga it's funny because in my head the 08 seems older than 12 years but the 95 seems le less than 25 you know what i mean well there's another one too so the 2008 has 1454 bottles but the 1995 there's apparently 2491 bottles so there is far more of the 95 Malaga than ben. the 28 Muscatel. Yeah. Um, and I think Australia got a 2006 bottle. I could be incorrect on that one, but I know they got the Causeway in stores sooner than we did. Um, but the um, the actual bottles go on sale globally, like officially from literally today, um, which I thought was quite cool. Now, I know Irish Malts had pre-sales on, and I think they've sold out of pre-sale for the 08 Muscatel, but they still have got the um, Malaga. So the Malaga, I think, is about 400 quid a bottle yeah. for a 25-year-old, and then the uh, Muscatel is, I think, 100 quid. 12-year-old 12 12-year-old 12 cast strength with a serious cast regiment, I think 100 quid is a pretty decent price on that. Um, and then also, uh, just as per our... Uh, previous conversation uh jamie was asking about sh the bottles availability in northern ireland and uh john donovan from irish malt is saying that they've they've found a new courier for um 
uh, shipping in Northern Ireland who have much better rates and free shipping for over, uh, orders over £100. So it's good to hear uh, <laughs> that they're, they're getting on. And apparently there is a, a Bushmills Causeway tasting with Mulligans next month. So that is super cool. Um, but I am enjoying uh, this as we go. Again, guys, remember that uh, everything we're talking about uh, this evening, feel free to ask questions uh, at any point. We're happy to talk through them. Um, I think, though, uh, it's probably a good moment to revisit uh, our friends in Lambe, um, just because uh, I've run out of whiskey in my glass. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, a good, that's a good reason. I need more exactly. whiskey. So exactly. Listen, we're, we're revisiting the puffin in uh, in a little tuxedo, uh, which I, I think is probably one of the more, more fun um, and more memorable, uh, I suppose, mascots of the Irish whiskey industry. Um, but as we said earlier, what we are talking about is the malt uh, Irish whiskey, which is their blended malt, which is a combination of three different single malts, uh, all uh, independently matured in, in bourbon and then finished in Camu Cognac casks, 600 litres for four to six weeks, uh, depending on the batches. But I'm interested. We talked about it a moment ago uh, about how much the flavours opened up uh, leaving in the in the glass. But this is just straight in. So it changes quite a bit. And even now, knowing that they're seeming to serve as the salt, I'm, I'm still kind of blown away. And now I really want it. <laughs> um, but it's quite cool. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I'm going to have a little sip. And if anyone else out there has a little bit of uh, lambe, do feel free to sip away and let us know your thoughts. I am... Um... I guess with any kind of cognac cast whiskey, I always kind of expect a little bit of astringency, um, but I guess that's maybe my own prejudice, prejudices around cognac. I always found I could, you know, I, I love whiskey. I drank whiskey for years and I could never get into cognac and I couldn't figure out why. And yeah, I mean, I, any, with any cognac finishes, you know, I, I do expect that astringency. And I found the same with, with the revival five that we did and, and Alex was explaining to me, you know, why we chose brandy and cognac and, you know, the cognac that we got, the cognac cast that we got, you know, a little bit heavier on the astringency than, than he would have previously liked. So went with a, the brandy cast, but this, you know, very faint. Um, and you know, I, I really like it. I enjoy it. I think it's kind of cool that the way that they, they also cycle through the casts in, in between. So, they have the maturation uh, in Camu for the cognac. And they actually use kind of a range of different um, cognacs that they, they don't go all super old or all super young or whatever. They, they have kind of a mixture they work through. But then they basically send them for maturation in Ireland after they've been you know appropriately aged and seasoned in, in, in France. And then uh, after they've kind of lived their lives maturing Irish whiskey, they get sent back to Camu uh, to be essentially rejuvenated and used in brandy production. Um, That's cool. I yeah. Like that. I wonder, I was just, it made me think of rum, like uh, when I guess the rum industry, they don't really have that kind of back and forward. Because obviously you have, you know, you, you're an Irish whiskey cask, but once it's had rum in it, it's pretty much always from then forward a rum cask. But I imagine, yeah, cognac cask can kind of go back and forward. And does it stay a cognac cask or does it then become uh, just a third fill or fourth fill, an inert cask? What do you call that? What do you call an ex-bourbon cask that's had Irish whiskey in it twice, cognac in it once, 
Irish whiskey in it again, and then back to brandy. Well, I think we see when they get it when they get it for the brandy, they're rejuvenated. So I think they're shaving, yeah. toasting, and and recharring then. So you're getting kind of yeah. So you're getting kind of a rejuvenated first fill cask almost. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite cool. As I said, forty three percent ABV. Um, it's the fourth edition in their portfolio because they've got a, a, a kind of a beefy single malt out as well, a, a, a cast strength single malt as well, and um, that I've had the the privilege of taking a few samples of. Um, and that what's quite a kind of cool about that is um, it's one of those cast strengths that doesn't taste like you can sip and vibe on it uh, kind of quite freely. Um, there's a great ca a cognac imparted flavors imparted on it. But the, there's no big kind of big alcohol burn from it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, in a blind tasting, you wouldn't suspect it was a cast strength, which I think is quite cool. Um, mm. But I'm really enjoying this. Um, this is is a first time with a bottle of this um, in, in my possession to kind of tip away at freely. Um, it's quite cool. Uh, I want to make it out to the islands. Um, I yeah. think their setup sounds pretty pretty cool. Um, Do they have a um a visitor center experience on the island, or is it primarily focused on the production? It, it, from what I understand, it's primarily focused on production and trade. Uh, they do have kind of a receiving, uh, kind of banqueting, or maybe not banqueting, but receiving uh, areas within the actual domain uh, in the in the actual island itself. Because I think six or seven people actually live on the island, um, so they they do have kind of an ability to host kind of corporate guests and brand ambassadors and whatnot there and um, mm -hmm. after seeing their kind of Atlantic uh, cask rooms. Um, but I, I think it's quite cool, uh, especially the tie and Camus, that everything so far at least uh, has had a, a, a cognac finish and, and even sticking to a central theme, they're quite differentiated as well. Um, and this at 50 quid sits in between the blend and their single malt currently. Um, and I think like one of the things that they were talking about uh, previously is the the length of the maturation being kind of a, a four to six weeks or short enough. But they were saying if they left it longer, they're getting very similar into the flavor profile of their single malts, which they want to kind of differentiate out of that. So yeah, that makes um, sense. Exactly. Um, and and actually, the I believe their single malts are are going the way of of the dinosaur for for many uh, you know same as many Irish independent brands couldn't source the same same stocks so instead of this was just putting new whiskey into the same bottle they're kind of reinvigorating and and re-releasing their single malts in in the coming i think weeks or so um which will work perhaps in the, in the maybe q1 of next year um but yeah, that's so there's a few questions around around that idea and in the industry i guess is is you know as we all start moving to our own distillate should we you know rebrand or should we just continue to to trade on the, the good name like does the average consumer really care or did they just, you know, I mean, I think. Well, the thing is, Lambe is, is pretty uh, struck on being an independent bottler going forwards. Yeah. So they are working with finite stocks, but also they're working with new distilleries and they're mm. kind of laying down stocks in their own way. So they, they're, they're kind of looking at it both ways, but I appreciate a brand that isn't trying to shoehorn, you know, distillate a into the the space that distillate b once uh had but uh like you said um uh rob that the people whom um have their own distilleries you know at one point uh 
um, at one point they said uh, a lot of brands used to say like, oh, our distillery is going to produce a distillate that tastes just like this brand that we have. And at one point, every single brand on the island was buying from Cooley because that was the only place to buy from. And there was a danger at one point where suddenly we were going to have 34 distilleries that were making identical Cooley spirit because they wanted the, their spirit to taste like that. And I think with, with Lambay, it's quite cool being a pure independent bottler. They can kind of go their own way in, mm. in what they're doing. And I can see that uh, we have some messages coming in here that the cast strength single malt is on its way for early uh, next year for Ireland, 57.5%. Uh, and even, even the exact cast numbers, 4316. So um, <laughs> I'm pretty happy to see that. Um, Matt Kelly is going back to work in Charleston. Um, stop don't go back to work just yeah no call in sick see he tunes, <laughs> he tunes in every week like uh like a good lad and uh has to go back to work midway through as well uh every week which is it's three o'clock in the afternoon for him so I'm yeah, pretty lunch, sure. lunch break yeah exactly i'm also pretty sure he's got like one of those like impressive jobs like a corporate lawyer or something so um but he lives in charleston and if, if any of you have never been to charleston one of my favorite u.s cities um it is it is pretty pretty freaking cool um, but yeah, I think, uh, I'm going to keep sipping on my, uh, my lambe. Which glass do you have left? The non-salted or the salted one? Uh, uh, both. I've got three glasses of whiskey in front of me. Uh, that's why I'm not sipping them. I'll go, I'll go. I got the black pits. I've got the, the lambe and I've got the salted and I've got a little bit of extra saline too. Do you want some? <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Is that the one you just straw in a minute ago? Is this how you no, this is just regular water. water. Okay, I thought you were just sipping on the saline. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a little too Australian. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a load of things we want to talk about, and I am conscious of the time is kind of ticking along. Um, one, okay, I'm going to drop into one here uh, that I wanted to talk about. Um, the Two Stacks Irish Whiskey. The guys uh, from the guys in Two Stacks, this is one of their first releases here. They, they release usually at a at a 46 and then uh, blenders cut at cast strength. Um, they've just released or just announced a release of an apricot brandy cask and tawny port casks for their blenders cut. So at um, six, 63.7, I think. Um, very cool yeah. independent bottlers. Um, there are the guys from Irish Craft Beverages, formerly Irish Craft Beers, um, who are investors and and kind of co-partners in Cologne. So they're kind of a side, uh, they're not, it's not Brendan from Cologne, but kind of some of his business associates trying to do what the kind of Caden heads of Scotland are doing for Irish whiskey. And I don't think I've ever seen a, 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 a apricot brandy cask in any whiskey style. Yeah, I mean, there's a obviously there's a, a different style of apricot brandy. You've got two kind of different styles of apricot brandy in that you've got obviously apricot brandy, which is distilled from fermented apricots, and then you have kind of the liqueur that's an eau de vie made from apricot flesh and kernels, but I'm assuming it's the, the former being uh, barrel-aged. Uh, but I think it's really interesting. You know, it, it's I, I'm looking forward to tasting it, to be honest. Uh, Really, really interesting. You know, one thing that that we were talking about this beforehand that just kind of jumped in my head when doing a bit of research on it was: Did you know that apricot stones contain cyanide? 
I, I do not. Um, as I said to you earlier, um, I know that apple pips contain hydrogen cyanide, but I assume that they're not making brandy out of... Uh, yeah, I assume, I assume they're not either. But I just thought that was a really cool tidbit that I came across. Uh, not one... I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be rushing into any fresh apricots anytime soon, eating around <laughs> the pip and then just throw it away real quick. <laughs> I, I imagine it won't be as... Uh, as poisonous as, as just licking it and getting some cyanide, but um, but yeah, so I, I know that we both wanted to talk about uh, a few things as we're going along. Um, one question I wanted to ask because it, it's come up on, on Twitter and on Facebook there the last, I suppose, weeks or so the discussion on E150A, and I know we we're talking about this uh, for anyone out there who doesn't know what E150A is, E150A is an inert caramel color. Uh, that is one of the only additives permitted in a number of different whiskey styles, but also in Irish whiskey, um, used to uh, essentially alter the color of whiskies to create consistency um, in color across batches. Um, you know, whiskey is an agricultural product, and when you start putting it in barrels, you can have the exact same barrels, and you pull them in two different months, and one can be you know, rose and dark and the other one can be light and, and straw colored. And a lot of large companies use it for the consistency just to keep yeah. consumers happy. Um, and then there was a lot of, there was, it was an interesting Twitter poll done there and it was uh, asking, should we get rid of it? Uh, do you not care? Or if it's used, should it be put on the label? And, and I know anyone who's, I suppose if you're, if you're interested enough, you might know that in the German market it actually requires the uh, the declaration of mit Zuckerkopf, or I'm not, I don't speak German, so uh, <laughs> I'm butchering that. Um, uh, but the, it requires a declaration that there's caramel coloring in the bottle. So there's, uh, I think, an interesting uh, discussion to be had on that. Um, I don't know your opinions. Um, I think it, I, I, I don't mind it in use, but I would prefer to see it on the label. Uh, I know most indie brands now will tell you straight up that it's naturally co natural colors, but um, yeah. Well, what I did, like uh, going back to your point, like, yeah, it was, it was introduced for uniformity, you know, back, you know, you think of brands like Johnny Walker and, and these big blending companies coming out of world war one and world war two, the idea of globalization, the idea of getting the exact same product across the world over was very innovative and very kind of forward thinking and and groundbreaking, uh, but that comes in like that brings certain things in like coloring for uniformity and chill filtration to ensure, you know the 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 same liquid is going to every market despite their climate. Um, now we're starting to move away from that. You know you look at regular foods and no added sugar, big component of a lot of foods nowadays. Sugar tax, so they kind of draw into this this same discussion. But my opinion on it, I, like again, I'm I'm like you. I I don't mind dealing, uh, you know, don't add color to their whiskies, uh, and I tend to prefer whiskies without color. But I don't think I could possibly tell blindfolded, in all 100% honesty. Uh, and I remember being in a chat with Alex Chasco, our master distiller, and the master distiller from another Scotch company, and they were talking about there is no right way or wrong way. But one point that stuck with me was this idea that with a chill filtered whiskey there's you know certain kind of mouthfeel and fats and and texture more importantly kind of stripped away from the whiskey 
that the E150A replaces in a way. So that texture, it's not just coloring, it's it's not a sweetness, it's a texture that they're looking for that they're missing in chill filtration. I thought that was a really interesting concept that I hadn't heard before. So yeah, not just color, not just sugar as a, as a kind of knee jerk and yeah, apparently no right way or wrong way. Yeah, and it's funny actually, um... Fanon O'Connor was once telling me that he found records from the early 1800s of lads down in Cork with like these great business ideas that they're going to add burnt sugar to to whiskey and vodka and whatnot to make it look better. Um, which, which I remember him. I remember him telling me that he never published to give people the idea that caramel should be in anything. So I'm glad I've just ousted him anyway for listening, Fanon. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's funny as well because I think a lot of the brands wouldn't expect caramel coloring to be in is even if you've got that association um, with kind of caramel and premium or caramel and blends and whatnot. Um, but it, it's one of those um, things that said like it. Your your point is to the, the bringing in kind of a, 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 a viscosity or, or texture. Uh, is actually one we were talking about this earlier is one i haven't heard before um but it is funny as well because um i hear people complaining all the time about it like sweetening whiskeys um as well um, and i don't know about you um but if either you could do it at home or if you've access to a distillery like we do um mm -hmm. you could have access to caramel coloring that <laughs> burnt sugar is really bitter like it, it is not a sweet thing. Like you are burning the sweet, like it is burnt sugar. Like that is a, not a sweet or even overly that pleasant of a thing to taste. And it, mm. it, if it, if it affects the flavor of the whiskey, which it, it's designed to be inert and not do that. But if it does, it's definitely not putting onto the sweet spectrum, which I think is quite funny. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. But you got to think about how little goes into it as well. Like, I'm guessing you've seen a, a whiskey being colored, but it is literally like the end of a pin or the end of a toothpick in a whole bottle of whiskey. I probably shouldn't use Lambe because we probably don't color, but, you know, it's, it is literally just a pin drop of this this coloring and it just transforms the whole thing. So it's it's hard to say with absolute certainty that it that it changes the flavor, but... I mean, again, like I, I can't speak with authority on this. Of course. Well, let we keep moving on, uh, just as we have so much to keep trying to cover. Um, one thing I did want to say, one of the big things of the last of weeks, Middleton Very Rare 2020 uh, has been launched. Um, the kind of the farewell of the Brian Nation stocks. Um, it was uh, released in a very well-produced Zoom call uh, with Kevin O'Gorman and uh, Dave McCabe down in Middleton. I have never seen this Zoom call was like the most, they had like multiple camera angles. They were swapping between them. They had visual readouts, questions from the audience. It was the most, and I mean like, if they were going to do it for any brand, they were going to do it for Middleton Rare Rare. But uh, yeah. this, this was the most, spectacular zoom call i've ever seen anyway nothing even about the whiskey um but uh, i do have a, a wee sample of it here the 2020 edition um a huge amount of information um out there um 
And nowadays, they said that between 13 and 35 years old and leaning heavier on the pot still side of, uh, of the inclusion just because of Brian Nation's, uh, I suppose, love for pot still is the main thing um, that uh, he, he would be, I suppose, known for. Um, and uh, a heavier inclusion of rechar barrels. Now, I've had a, a little sample out of that bottle there earlier on. And there is kind of a, a, a nice, sweet uh, American oak uh, influence on that. And I think that even at the moment in Irish whiskey, something we're losing a little bit of is that influence of, of American oak. We're very heavily focused on finishes at the moment. And mm. three years ago, I was complaining that everyone was in bourbon. So apparently, <laughs> I'm um, but um, as always, uh, you know, obviously the kind of, creme de la creme of 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 whiskey and in, in, in irish whiskey globally i suppose um and, mm. and more as a as a market uh, share and a, and, a, and a prestige level rather than opinions uh your opinion can be whatever it is middleton very rare is still going to be the, probably the most giftable irish whiskey there is um i think yeah i think that's the first gifted irish whiskey i ever received that i didn't open because i was always a big proponent if someone gives me an irish whiskey i'll open it there and then and share but i think the 2014 uh was the first whiskey i didn't know but signed by brian nation was the first one brian nation did i think i still have it somewhere but yeah that was the first kind of premium irish whiskey that i never opened and now there's a lot (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to get cracking into that. I will have a review up on postal.com very soon. Um, I, Crawley Distillery, the second distillery to open in Donegal in the last 180 years. Um, mm. Quite a cool setup. I know, Rob, you really want to talk about this one, so fire away, man. <laughs> well, no, I'm just excited. Like, just little things like direct, direct fire stills. They're all cognac stills. They have a worm tub condenser instead of, shell and tube i think you know i mean it starts to veer us into that we discussed this and we were you know debating on whether we talk about geographical regionality in irish whiskey that this is where it starts to happen when you start to really kind of be differentiated in in terms of distillation yes there's big variance in casks but i mean anyone can you know with with a great amount of sourcing and some money can can source the the kind of cool casks that are out there in the world but building a completely different distillery and, and distillation, I think is, that's where you start to kind of veer into a, well, they're doing something different in Donegal. So I, uh, yeah, I'm really interested to try the, the distillate comes out of Crowley. Yeah. They're in an old, uh, I think it, an old doll factory that was previously a, a, <laughs> a textiles factory, which is quite cool. Um, I know they, they've just been up and running, uh, obviously direct fire themselves in Cologne are in, in good company there. Um, mm. And the guys over in Schlieve League being the first distillery I suppose to open up and do whiskey distillations who are focusing, um, I think, primarily or 100% on on peated whiskey, which is quite cool. Um, but, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. I'd love to try some of their... their lucky, uh, lucky number 34. Exactly. 34th distillery, <laughs> uh, GI verified distillery on the yeah. island of Ireland. Um Dundell's uh, Palo Cotado 18-year-old single malt. I think this is the third um, or, yeah, the third 18-year-old cask finish that they've brought out. Uh, cask strength, 54% alcohol, less than 320 bottles released. 
Um, this I got to try uh, a while ago. Myself and Jeff Spearin, who was formerly of the Dublin Liberties Distillery, now uh, literally right this moment sitting on a tropical beach in the middle of Panama. Um, he's been now. I gave out to him earlier on. Ireland goes into level five lockdown. Jeff Spearin goes to a fucking paradise. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he moved. He moved from Dublin to Panama the week before lockdown. And has been literally confined to his apartment for the last like nine months. Um, I wonder if he can spend more than an hour outside yet, though. He can. Well, that's it. He's just got on holidays. They've just yeah. they, amazing. In Panama, they had days, specific gender days, so men could only go down Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and women could only go out. So was, no, it's the other way around because his big thing was Saturdays were for the boys, and then Sundays, <laughs> Sundays nobody was let out. And if you were outside, you couldn't exercise. Um, you'd be arrested for exercising um, because you're selling uh, moisture and you can infect people. Um, oh. There was no alcohol sales, no tobacco sales. It was crazy. But anyway, this is nothing to do with pot potato. <laughs> um, yes, the two of us actually traveled to Dunville's there at the end of last year. Um, and I got a, a sneaky sample to try uh, the this in cask. They spent three years finishing Pato Cortado casks. First of all, Dunvilles are cool as shit. If any of you don't know or haven't tried any of the Dunvilles whiskeys, mm. what are you doing? Um, yeah, the PX is phenomenal. Exactly. Uh, Ecklinville have a few more Dunvilles releases come out, and then they're into their own age stocks. They've like secretly been distilling since 2013. Um, so they're, they've got some seriously cool undistilled stock coming out very soon. Um but this Palo Cortado, I don't know about you. I know you know your your other spirits and fortified wines and whatnot. I my my this is going to be a strange statement. My favorite sherry uh, <laughs> of the scale of sherries is absolutely Palo Cortado. Um, well, yeah, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone in that fact. I think there's a lot of bartenders out there that that's their favorite sherry. There is a little bit of buzz around the idea of Palo Cortado and. You know, other brands, uh, other whiskey brands have done Palo Cortado, Palo Cortado finishes, but it is a weird style of sherry. It's not something that just happens or you do, you go out to make. It's kind of like you start with a Fino or a Montalado sherry and it's at some point just decides to oxidize and become something else entirely. They call it the Amontillado of the nose, but the Oloroso of the mouth. It's very kind of unique and different. And uh, and as you know, like the sherry industry, not one to really kind of give away too many of their decent casts, especially as a rare occurrence as a Palo Cortado is. But yeah, as a sherry, fantastic drinking sherry. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan. The kind of the 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 oxidized sweetness of an Oloroso, but the dryness of you said an Amontillado or or a Fino. Um, and and uh, I think a Palo Cortado. I think it trans. I don't speak Spanish at all. But I had I had a I had a cask. So working in distilleries, we get kind of cold calls from cask brokers all the time. Um, and somebody had literally put their email into Google Translate in Spanish in, and translated it to English and sent it to me. And Palo Cortado, I think in Spanish is like pale sticks. Cut, over like cut stick. Cut stick? Is that cut it? stick? <laughs> So they were they they sent they sent me these emails promising me the best pair of cut stick casks and I was sitting there like laughing my ass. and then obviously like this is just a pure like I'm sure like 
for instance, I did a very similar thing. I went on I went on an Asia work trip where I did Singapore, South Korea, and Japan over two months. Yeah. And yeah. when I went to when I was going to Japan, I had my Jap my business card translated into Japanese professionally. Right, perfect. It was great. <laughs> when I was going to Korea, I had somebody who I know who's first generation. Uh, American Korean translated for me and I was like yeah they'll do a good job sweet so I'm on the plane I'm on the plane and coincidentally I ended up sitting beside somebody from uh, the Irish consulate in Singapore just going off to to Korea and they were like oh let's see your card and they didn't speak Korean so they were like oh so they called over an aerostess and they were air steward and they were like what does his card say and they were like Matt Healy and I'm like me perfect yeah. <laughs> and they were like so so my job is i do export sales and they were like you're a you're a takeaway manager you manage the <laughs> i feel like you got stitched up there <laughs> so i just had to scratch out a lot of like and when it was so funny i just scratched out so many fucking like the first word in all the business cards and the Koreans were so polite that none of I think it was I just put like one line through, and then they were like they'd all look at it and they just go, "Oh, manager, yes, okay." And I'm like, yeah. You guys are so much more polite than the Irish. Like we would have ripped you apart for that. But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, cut sticks. Um, but yeah, the Palo Potato is is very much sold out. Um, so. I feel I feel bad about saying it already. I think there may be you know, one of those things where you see a couple of bottles here, there, or in different retailers, but mainly from the online stores. I think they were gone in about eight minutes. Um, Dunville's is is very much a brand that is has a very loyal following, and people pick these things up uh, very quickly. Well, they're not uh, they're not going away anytime soon either. With nine million pounds expansion planned for up there and down, up there and down. <laughs> yes, Invest NI has just put in uh, quite a large sum of money into Dundas. So, uh, looking forward to seeing what they what they come up with. Um, I think um, the we're we're running short on time. But one thing that you wanted to ask the people out there, so feel free to answer, uh, guys. Give us your thoughts. But Rob, one of the things you want to talk about is should. Irish whiskey have regional categories and, and should we have a peated category? So what say you, my friend? <laughs> well, I mean, we were, yeah, we were talking about this beforehand of like what, what are the kind of topics we could talk about? And, you know, I, I think that there's a, this huge explosion and, and are we going to see regionality in Ireland? I perhaps don't think so, just given that there are distilleries across the whole island and, you know, you've got single pot steel producers down in Munster and you've got single malt producers, you've got Waterfords and Dublin whiskies exploding and urban distillers and I am making tons of different whiskies now, the two in Donegal we talked about earlier. And they're all, they're not just sticking to, you know, one style uh, yet, but I, I definitely think we're going to see a little bit more of a, an explosion into maybe styles. So probably, probably not, you know, they only make peated, peated malt in, say waterford uh probably a poor example but um but then maybe you'll start to see you know a lot there's a lot more pot still coming from 
uh, Kerry and and uh, and Kinsale and and you know uh, Dingle and places like that. So uh, who knows? I mean, maybe we'll find out in, in years to come. But it's it's hard to tell currently with such a rapid explosion and a lot of people finding their feet, finding you know what what is their their core expression. You know, I, I, we were talking about this earlier. Should there or shouldn't there be peated whiskey? I'm a, I'm a hundred percent of the opinion. That let's bring as many people to Irish whiskey as possible. That's literally my job. You know, I get I used to get to go to America and and they try these, you know, Teeling single pot sales, a great example where you'd meet all these different people and like, oh, this is so new and different and interesting. I love it. Like really excited because you're bringing people to the category, which means bringing money to the category, which just means, means more explosion for the industry. But then, you know, you come home and maybe it's not the same thing. So I think it's exciting to see this this growth, but at what point would we then kind of bring it back into regionality? You know, that it doesn't seem right now to be an easy transition. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Frenchie or Brian Hollins just dropped in saying regionality is possibilities, but would have to be managed correctly. Yeah. Uh, whiskey is, is definite though. I think that's one of the things as well about Scotch whiskey that they've kind of got a regionality that seems to fit marketing purposes, but it's as, as you said to me off air in Iran, you get heavily peated whiskies in the mainland of Scotland and you get light whiskies distilled in Isla as well. So, um, but again, yeah, this, this evolved in a, in a pre-globalization era. This, this evolved, this idea of regionality in Scotland evolved pre-internet. So it was already kind of in place. You know, they, they used peat there and, and they used, you know, oven kilns there. And it just, that was just traditionality. That have got evolved over time and stayed distant. Nowadays, we'd have to make a concerted effort, and I, I don't think that people are gonna, you know, say if you wanted to distill, let's just call Dublin for example. You wanted to distill single malt in Dublin, and then the other Dublin distillers went, no, 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 this is only single malt in this regionality. Would you say do one? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> only, only the finest of piece of malt could be distilled in Dublin. <laughs> Go away with your pot still. Um, but yeah, I think uh, perhaps more so, as you said, to the styles. Um, and also the fact that peated whiskey doesn't have a category. We're kind of flip-flopping between styles and peated whiskey. But True. Uh, I think it's hilarious. If you look at bottles, uh, all uh most i don't know about the black pits because i don't have one in front of me but um i'll rectify that i promise you you can't uh thank you uh you can't um have the words peated and irish whiskey on the same line as per the current labeling guidelines in irish whiskey um so you have to have peated on one line and then irish whiskey on the next line um, you peated single malt under the phoenix and then down here it's a single malt there you go. Because single malt's the category. Single malt Irish whiskey is the other category. Irish whiskey is the category. But peated is is a, like an adjective to the to the category. And I think the only people that have it, the full line is Hinch because they got approved by labeling standards in Northern Iron rather than ah. So, yeah, I don't know if that's going to change. Jamie is watching, so you can let me know if that changed. But I think they've, they've flown under the radar with that one. Um, but look... The technical file has many flaws, 
um, and seems it was designed to protect the Irish whiskey industry from those outside of Ireland making a fool of us and now seems to be kind of strangleholding what we're supposed to be doing inside of Ireland. But hey, that's just my opinion. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I watched Jack on the Irish Whiskey Magazine podcast with Sergio there yet last night, and he brought up a good point. Of, like, you would have had to have a crystal ball years ago when they wrote this GI to see the explosion in the industry. It's happened so fast, so rapid, you know, from in, let's say, five years, we've exploded from six distilleries, seven distilleries to 34 so this this explosion, you know, you, it's like it's nice to say, oh, we're going to see this rapid explosion of Irish whiskey in the Irish whiskey category, but I think the the explosion that we've seen is unprecedented. Mm. Uh, I I agree, um, and I think that's I think it's one of the the annoying things as well that you're you're seeing, uh, as I said, kind of a stranglehold. You're seeing things that are apparently immovable that seem to be quite movable in in the grand scheme of things so but we'll see how it goes um yeah. but uh yeah jamie yeah they managed to get the peated mold pass fairly easily that's good to know <laughs> um Can but yeah sure. yeah um but this thing is uh, it's i think i think there needs to be a bit of revision going on um Obviously, there's a, there's a number of things, and as I said, it's it's designed to protect us from outside, not to to protect yeah. us from inside. Um, and I think it's funny, even even things that were pot still in you know the early '90s uh, don't qualify as pot still today. Um, no matter you know, regardless, going back to the '70s, the '60s as well. But um, and Jamie says there's 35 distilleries as of yesterday, according to the IWA. And he said, perhaps there's a new one in Kerry, is it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see an announcement of... Uh, no, neither did I. And uh, I was doing research today just to make sure my facts were right. But hey, I, I don't mind that. Um, there is there is a distillery in Clare um, that... Uh, your focus is gone. It's good. Um, I'm just really <laughs> drunk. It's fine. That, uh, there's a few distilleries out there that are applying for GI status, um, which is what they have to get to technically make Irish whiskey, um, which is why they're not on the list yet. So perhaps there's a couple more out there that just need to be added to the list um, with GI status. But I think, Rob, that this is probably enough of your time I'm taking up and everyone who's watching. Uh, you guys are fantastic to have joined in and for all of your comments. Um do not forget that uh, next week we have uh, Cologne uh, takeover of Postilled on Thursday. So we're going to be uh, talking through and launching, or I suppose pre-launching uh, the next Cologne 10-year-old uh, experimental bonded series whiskey. Uh, we'll also be tasting through the dark rum, uh, Ireland's first dark rum, and then also a non-peated, non-GI Postilled distillate which is one of uh, Brendan's, I think it's for one of his few first non-peated, non-GI pastels. Um, and then um, the week after, uh, we have a Dingle takeover with a new single pot still batch four. And then, of course, um, a very, very big thank you to Lambe uh, Malt Irish Whiskey. Um, I think it'll be one of the few times you'll see Rob promoting other whiskeys. Um, 
<laughs> I, I don't know about you, Rob. I'm going to take a moment. I have very much enjoyed this. As you uh, said earlier on, uh, a blended malt or a vatted malt, but under Irish whiskey, uh, technical files, a malt whiskey, uh, three different single malts, triple distilled, double distilled, um, all matured in bourbon, and then finished for four to six weeks in a 600 liter cognac cask, RRP 60 quid. I am very much enjoying this. Uh, there is a suggestion to eat some dark chocolate with it, and then also have the salt, which we've tried the salt. Yeah, try the salt. I can't wait. Uh, what did you think? What having a having? I liked, a, no, I, I liked it. I I enjoyed it. I I 100 agree with your your honey on the uh, the saltless version. You know, like like I said, I think I went in with, with my own preconceptions in in terms of cognac and was more than pleasantly surprised. And then with the addition with salt, my mind was blown. So. I want to try that with more whiskeys now. Yeah. Well, I have very much enjoyed this. And um, as always, uh, if you're looking to pick up a bottle of whiskey, I know that they have this on Celtic Whiskey Shop, Irish Malts, Mulligans, James Fox's, and all good, uh, you know, in, independent retailers. Uh, we are coming up to Christmas time, guys. Um, do keep an eye out. We'll have a, a kind of a Christmas list of, of good, good gifts for this year. Um, but regardless of what you're buying, um, at least a message from me, try to try to buy Irish if possible, buy local. Um, Amazon is what the first lockdown, Jeff Bezos increased his wealth by like 4 billion US dollars. Um, so let's, let's try to, to big up some of the, the Irish businesses that are out there, not just buying Irish whiskey, but buying Irish whiskey from, from good. And even if you're not in Ireland, if you're in Germany or the UK or whatever, you know, as I say, always try to buy local as well and big up the, the local businesses because as we are now in level five lockdown, we're going to have, well, first of all, a lot more possible live content, um, but uh, we will also see a lot more businesses kind of closing, which is obviously not what you want to be seeing in this world. Um, so keep an eye out. I've had a fantastic time with Lambe this evening. Um, I think it's very cool. I am very much looking forward to seeing what their uh, their um, cast strength looks like in early next year. Cask, I think four one three six. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken. Um, but uh, I appreciate it. We'll see you guys next week, and uh, keep an eye on the Facebook and Twitter pages of Potsdill tomorrow because one will be announcing the winners of our Dingle uh, deconstruction kits. Uh, but two, we'll also be giving away the Lambe single malt uh, gift pack cases as well. We've got two of those going out. Um, so uh, if you want to win some whiskey, man, this is delicious. Um, and if you've any more questions about uh, Lambe, shoot them into the, the comments section. Uh, we'll be able to answer them along. Uh, and I know there's people from Lambe watching along as well um, because, uh, well, basically, I've had a great time. So hope you have too, Rob. Everyone else who's been watching, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And uh, talk to you later. Salon. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. See you guys.